When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of our We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm Corey Geiger and we are still going to be joined on this podcast by Jared Prugars, who covered Penn State for a lot of years. So I'm glad Jared will be sticking around. We have a good time on this podcast, man. I, I, I'm glad we're able to continue this. Yeah, you and me both, Corey. I wasn't quite sure how things were going to work out, but I'm glad that so far it has been able to work out for us. Yeah, and DK uh, has allowed Jared to, to still be here, even though he's not full-time with the company, because this is this is probably about as good of a podcast as we can do since we uh, have both been covering Penn State for a long time, and it just keeps it consistent throughout the season. So hopefully everybody enjoys these conversations that Jared and I have. I want to start this week, Jared, with uh, the, the pressing question of whether Penn State's ready for Michigan or not. You and I talked about this on my radio show literally just a few hours <laughs> hours ago on Friday. Uh, you seem to think that Penn State is ready for Michigan, right? Well, well, why do you think that? Well, I think that they're ready because they've given no indication that they're not going to be ready this year. I think, you know, obviously their track record coming off a of bye with James Franklin is is what it is, but – you know, they were ready at Auburn. They've been preparing for Michigan, I would imagine, long before the bye week. Um, and I think that's kind of why they slept walk through their game last weekend. Um, but, again, it was kind of miserable out. There were excuses, this, that, and the other thing. But I think they're going to be ready to go to Michigan. I think this is, you know, this is Sean Clifford's, like, 65th trip to the big house. Uh, but, you know, all joking aside – Again, neither team has truly been challenged. Uh, We don't really know what we've got from both teams either yet. And I think that's, you know, what kind of makes it even more intriguing. Well, it's interesting because I guess it depends on how you, how we go about the discussion. Are they going to be ready for Michigan? Yes, absolutely. I, I absolutely think the players mentally, physically, from a confidence standpoint, they're going to be ready. The, the bigger question, the separate question is, are they good enough? And I don't know the answer to that. It, do, you, do you think you know the answer to that, Jared? Do you, any of you, anybody listening, do you know the answer to is Penn State good enough? Because I, I think after this 5-0 and start with, with no wins against ranked teams, some sluggish performances and sluggish components of games I do think they're going to be ready physically going in to the big house to think that they can play well now we just have to find out is the personnel and the schemes and everything they're going to be doing are they good enough in all these things yeah I mean and that's the tough thing right are they going to be good enough I think up front they will be I think their secondary is pretty good I don't think Michigan has seen anybody quite like this before this season 
Um, I mean, they 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 lucked out against um, Maryland. They did okay against Iowa. They, I mean, they Iowa played probably its best offensive game all year because they actually had some sort of offense for them. So that matters. Um, but yeah, and it's and the best thing I think for Penn State too. This is a noon game, so there's not going to be a wait around all day kind of deal. It's, hey, we're going to show up at the big house at noon. The game's on Fox, so it's going to take about four hours and, and play the game. And I think, you know, that's the that's the best part in all of it is it's not a night game. But if there's a team that's equipped to go into the big house and, and deal with a raucous environment, it's Penn State, and they showed that at Auburn at Jordan-Hare. Now, look, we can absolutely ask the same question in reverse. Is Michigan ready for Penn State? And I do think that's a very legitimate, valid question. Michigan played a terrible non-conference schedule. Then they beat Maryland by seven. They beat uh, Iowa by, by 13 uh, last week. And Michigan is playing this week, by the way. So it's it's not a given. They go to Indiana. It's not a given they'll be undefeated, although we think that they will be. Rec- we're recording this before the game. So we're, we're assuming Michigan's going to win. The, the thing that concerns me about this game, this particular matchup, is I don't think this is a good matchup for Penn State's defense. Let's backtrack to Purdue. Purdue threw 58 times. What's the best thing Penn State does? They've got a terrific secondary. Joey Porter Jr. looked like an all-world player back there. Six pass breakups. They held Aiden O'Connell to 50% passing. He was 29 of 58. Yeah, he threw for 300-plus yards, but it was tough yards. A lot of passes broken up. That was a game that played into the strengths of the Penn State defense, which is clearly your secondary. I look at this Michigan game from what I know about Penn State, from what I know about Michigan, and I see it as the opposite. I think this Michigan team very, very much has the capability to take advantage of some of the things that Penn State maybe doesn't do well on defense, and that is probably stopping the run. Blake Corum is having an excellent year. He had 133 last week against uh, Iowa. He had 200-something against Maryland. Let me see if I can find the exact number. It was a big number, two. Uh, to, to, to third, 43 uh, against Maryland. I have major concerns about Penn State's linebackers, Jared. We have not seen the defensive line really go up against this kind of offensive line and running game yet. We thought Auburn was going to be a good running team. They really weren't. And we know P.J. Mustafer is a good run stuffer. But I, I just have issues and concerns about the, the linebackers. So, again, the flip side of that Purdue game, that was a game that – Retro, you look back in retrospect, it was a the perfect kind of opening opponent for Penn State. They could get some confidence with that defense. This is this is the all this is the opposite side. I think Michigan's going to run the ball and run the ball well. You know that's what Harbaugh likes to do. He will stay committed to it. And and to be perfectly honest, with you, I just don't think Penn State's going to be able to stop the run. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, Chop Robinson has done a really good job up front for for the Nittany Lions. Um, but again, I don't think either of these teams has faced anybody like anything like each other. So that does matter uh, in the grand scheme of things. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how everything plays out. 
Um, but I think this game is going to be decided up front. I think this is going to be the biggest test for Penn State's offensive line going against the front seven uh, for the for the Wolverines. But I think that's where it's going to get interesting. Can they finally do it? And I think they actually can match up fairly well um, with the, uh, with the Wolverines up front with Michigan's uh, defensive front. And it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out because I think this is the best shot that Penn State's had uh, up front quite some time. Um, but it'll be interesting again to see if that if it does in fact play out that way. Isn't it amazing that we went into Iowa last year with Penn State five and zero? I've gone back and looked at some of the stories that I wrote and other people and wrote around the country about that game. You know, we didn't really necessarily know a whole lot about Penn State. We were going to learn a lot about Penn State and so on and so forth. And here we are again a year later, 5-0. and We're still asking these exact same questions, even though Penn State goes to Purdue and, and Auburn and gets wins. And those were good wins. Don't get me wrong. Those are good wins on the road. You do have to, you do have to kind of take a pause and say, well, how good are either of those teams? Yeah, and I mean that's the that's the thing we just don't know yet. I think that's it's so early to tell. You know, I, I get that they're five and zero um, on you know in both teams, and and I would imagine when when the time comes, Michigan will be six and zero. Um, you know, they have Indiana um, and uh, this weekend, but but that's the kind of like that's the scary thing about you know this early part of the season. Not many teams have been tested the way that you'd expect them to. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got to see what's up. You got to see what they're all about. And this is a gauntlet stretch for Penn State moving forward. You know, they've got Michigan, Minnesota, and then Ohio State. And, you know, that's not an easy situation. And that and and things could spiral where they are now five and three. Um, or they could be, you know, six and one, or I'm sorry, six and two or seven and one or what have you, uh, depending on, on how things go next weekend. So there's just so much that could happen that we just don't know about yet. So are they ready? Is Penn State ready for Michigan? I say yes. You say yes. I, I think most Penn State fans would, would agree that Penn State's ready for Michigan. They're ready to play the game with all everything that's at stake. Are they good enough? Uh, I can't say that. I'm not sure that anybody can say that with any degree of certainty. What we're going to do here is take a, a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the quarterback situation, which I think is fascinating. There are a lot of fascinating discussions about uh, Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, and where the quarterback situation is. So we'll step away for a quick break. We'll talk about that coming up in se- uh, segment number two. All right, welcome back to our second segment of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Should Sean Clifford be starting, Jared? There is a there is a, a a minority, but pretty vocal opinion out there from people that say, "Hey, Sean Sean Clifford ain't it. He's not the guy. Give Drew Aller a shot. Either let him start, or ha- how about this? Have Sean Clifford." on a pretty short leash. And if he struggles against Michigan, 
you give the freshman a chance. I think it's complete and total bullshit. I'll let you go first, and then I'll expand on what I'm saying. Well, I think at five and zero, I don't think you can go away from Sean Clifford. Um, if they're three and two, I'm talking about I mean, this game, the Michigan right. game, the Michigan we're, we're, game specifically. No, I don't know. I understand, but I'm I'm saying because they're five and zero, you can't go away from Sean Clifford. He's done enough to get there. He's experienced, and he's got that. He's been in this atmosphere before. He's been there before. Uh, so no, I don't think it makes sense to go away from him just yet. Uh, I mean, if Penn State loses two out of the next three, then maybe you make that decision. But for Michigan, it should be Sean Clifford. And unless he plays horrifically, then I don't think that it's worth making a change. Now, if he goes out and plays pretty bad, then yeah. And and he forces the hand, you know, then, then yeah, you have to make that change. But so that's the thing. If that's the case, then, then you've just got to handle it. But I don't foresee that happening. Uh, but but it's Sean Clifford's job to job to lose, right? You have to let him go out and lose it. Um, he's done nothing wrong as of yet. They're five and zero. So until he proves otherwise, then yeah, it's Sean Clifford's team. Uh, yeah, is Drew Aller the future and is it very promising? Absolutely. But I don't think that it's worth the quarterback change right now. That just adds to unnecessary drama to what has been a really, really good season to date. Now, obviously there's still a lot to be desired for the rest of the season, but to go to Sean Clifford or to go to Drew Aller now and and go away from Sean Clifford, I think would be a disservice uh, to the football team. Okay. But here's what the fans will tell you. Sean Clifford sucks. Drew Aller's the future. Go to him now. That's what some of these fans are out there thinking. All right. And again, when I called it BS a few minutes ago, um, what bothers me about college football specifically, and I cover minor league baseball as well. I was having this conversation with Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune on my radio show earlier in the week. He covers the Yankees AAA affiliate. I cover the Altoona Curve. Jared, you cover college football in the curve. There are very few reporters in the country that cover college football and minor league baseball. Well, what am I talking about? Well, they do go hand in hand. College football and minor league baseball, in a lot of ways, are about who is the next player. College football fans love recruiting. They fall all over themselves about recruiting. The next guy, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. Let's offer this ninth grader because he might be good in seven years. That's what college football fans, a lot of them, really think about. Minor league baseball is the same way. That's all minor league baseball is, the next guy. You think this guy's going to be the next guy when 80% of them don't turn out to be anything. So yeah. what, what bothers me about this notion of going to Drew Aller is, I mean, look, I, I, I wrote this earlier in the week. I cannot sit here and strongly defend Sean Clifford. I cannot do it. I will not do it. There is no way to do it. He is an average college quarterback. I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. The statistics know it. That's all there is to it. But you do know what you're going to get from Sean Clifford. He beat Michigan two years ago at the big house. Now, it was a COVID year. There were no fans. He's actually beaten Michigan twice. He beat him in 20, beat him in 2019. Is he better than Drew Aller right now today? To me, absolutely. Drew Aller, you can't throw the kid out there at the big house in front of 107,000 people and expect him to get the job done. Might Drew Aller be better than Sean Clifford in three or four weeks? Maybe. 
but I, I, just this notion of fans. I'll just flat out tell you, folks, if you're listening to this and you think Drew Aller should play over Sean Clifford right now against Michigan, you're crazy. You're certifiable. You're nuts. And if, if I'm offending you, so what? Hey, you know, that's the beauty, right? The next best thing. And and I think in both college sports and minor league minor league baseball, it, it's always about the next big thing. Who's that next big thing, right? Like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, they the next big running backs at Penn State, the next Miles Sanders, the next Saquon Barkley. Listen, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. I think we're seeing that a lot, really, on the coaches at the coaching aspect of it. I mean, and, and let's be real, the players, there have been so many five-star athletes that get to college and then j- you just don't hear from them. And, you know, that's that's sports. Those are – and it's the same thing, you know. How many top ten draft picks make it to the to the major leagues and or, or don't struggle along the way? So, you know, there there's a lot that can happen. Um, but especially in college athletics, like let's let's take a look at Nebraska, right? Nebraska um, used to be, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, a great and, and it is still a historic program. But you know, a couple of years ago, they had Bo Pelini, right? Bo Pelini had them between seven to ten wins, eleven every so often, year after year after year. Well, what have they done since? You know, the grass isn't always greener. And people talked about this with James, James Franklin before his extension. Well, who's Penn State going to get? Who do they want to get? You know, you, you know, you reap what you sow. And, and sometimes, you know, you make it you make it a bad situation for but everybody Jared, involved. This is the number one quarterback recruit in the country. Sean Clifford's been there six years. Isn't, He's the number one recruit in the don't country. We, That's don't recruit. we know? Right? Don't we know for sure that Drew Aller is going to be the next Hall of Famer? Don't we know that already? He's, There's he, no he played, such thing as played, a given thing. Wait, he played a series against Purdue. He's played Life, some series. liberty, and the pursuit of taxes. He's Those played, are the only guarantees. What are you talking about? He's played three or four series against some terrible teams. Don't we know he's going to be a superstar for sure? Hey, that's great. You know, I wish I could play <laughs> against Ohio every year, right? <laughs> You you want to, you want him to have success, and that's the other thing too. You want him to come in and have success. Throwing him up against Michigan, that's not always the best situation. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks get ruined because of things that weren't in their control. You know, Sean Clifford. I don't think a lot of his issues are the result of his skill level. I think a lot of it's because of what was in front of him uh, for most of his career at Penn State, especially that twenty twenty year. There was not a lot up up front, and obviously the injury last year. Uh, at Iowa that just proved, you know, a lot of crazy things. Um, but, yeah, you know, everybody wants this next big thing. They want this big, shiny truck and this big, shiny car and, and all the shiny bits and pieces, the bells and whistles. But, you know, you got to go with what, what's got you there to this point. Right now, that's, that's Sean Clifford. Um, but, you know, is, does Drew Aller have the potential? I think he does. I think he could be the real deal. But right now, I think, you know, he can just enjoy being on the sidelines, watching and, and playing whenever his number is called. And I just don't think it's it's quite yet. And, we can and that could change. Right. Very right. well could change. Absolutely. We're good. We can revisit this in a week or two or three. I mean, I just don't think Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State is the time to do this. What well, was we it the bye week last week when Christian Bayer that's right. yeah. went from three to two on the depth chart? So well, we we, we can revisit this later. But I, I in fairness for the other side. I have a buddy 
who, uh, in Altoona, who's a Penn State season ticket holder. And he was coming at me the other day about this because I, I wrote about all this. And he, and he did bring up a great point. And I, I think it's fair to mention this because what I'm talking about with, with Sean Clifford is the experience, the fact that he's been in big games. He's not going to be intimidated. He's not going to – I was going to say he's not going to lose the game. He absolutely could lose the game. He, he, he could by, by making bad decisions. But when I, when I go to bat for Sean Clifford, a lot of it is on those intangibles. And my buddy said this, and, and, and this is an excellent point. It's about him running the ball or really not running the ball because you, you have an RPO offense, Jared. You have an mm-hmm. RPO offense that is designed and predicated for the quarterback to be able to make a decision to either hand the ball, throw, Maybe he run himself, what have you. And and we've seen when Penn State's RPO since 2016 has been in its best, it's because the quarterback was willing and capable to take off and run and get some key yards in, in certain spots. Now, especially in 2019, Sean Clifford was a good runner. He had 400, he had 400 plus rushing yards. This year he's got less than a hundred yards. He seems unwilling to take off and run. They've been committed to getting Singleton and Allen their rushing yards and what have you. But my buddy's point about all this is I'm going to sit here and go to bat for Sean Clifford to remain the quarterback, but if he is not going to run the ball, it be, it be it either by choice or if he's banged up for some reason and we just don't know, if he is not going to do 100% of the things that he can and needs to do, then everything else I do think is on the table. And so if he can take off and run starting in this key three-game stretch, get you 50 to 60 yards or what have you, a a key first down here there, then yes, he absolutely should stay there. But if he's not going to do that and you don't even give that wrinkle to the defense, that is a big problem for these Penn State offensive coaches. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean (laughs) – he, having that kind of that ability to, to even if he doesn't go just that fear mm-hmm. right that uh, fear and and he's not been doing that so and I, I don't know if that's by design I, I again we're five games in they've had two conference games and you know there's only so much that we can take away from those games yeah, because maybe they haven't shown can't take anything from purdue Right, you're not going to see everything against the Boilermakers. You're not going to see anything the next week, and and even against Auburn, you're still probably not going to see a lot. But now this is where start where things start to get a little tricky. So yeah, I, I would expect there to be a little bit more emphasis on him in the run game. But again, now really he hasn't had the run. I mean, yep. you know, when you actually have running backs that are getting downfield, good things are happening, and it and that's really been the case so far this year so i mean they haven't had to rely on his legs like they have in the past which is a good thing too but uh, again you know as far as drew aller goes unless you're in a position where you think your team has reached its ceiling and i think penn state ceiling is that 10 and 2 11 and 1 marker right now it could change if they beat Ohio State. Well, we'll know in a week. That's possible. We'll know in a right. week if they beat right. Michigan. Now the ceiling's eleven and one. If they if they right. lose to Michigan, now we're talking nine and three because a loss to Minnesota is still in the possibility. 
Right. So then that's when you start to reevaluate. Hey, listen, do you want to go nine and three with a kid that's going to be here for another two years? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or are you going to go nine and three with a kid that could probably still also be here for another three years? <laughs> but, you know, you get let the, I, and to me, you let the young guy go. You have to let, I think that's the case. Yeah. Cause then you run that issue. Well, hey, listen, you know, then it, the stuff behind the scenes. Oh well, we're struggling and we're not making a change. And then, then the next thing you know, Drew Aller's making six million dollars a year to play quarterback somewhere else. He's unhappy. And and, and again, the, the one other component of all this: last year, Sean Clifford could not take off and run because everybody knew the drop off from him to the backup was massive. This year, not so much. So you'd hate to think anything would ever happen to any player. But if Sean does take off and run and has something happens to him. Uh, you, you're still bringing in a quality kid. All right, we're going to uh, step away here for a, a quick second, come back in segment three, talk about w- what we do on a bye week. I, w- I want to know what Jared's doing on a bye week. We'll get to that here coming up in just a moment. third and final segment of our we are podcast jared we're recording this very early saturday uh it's a bye week for penn state it's a very rare occurrence during the college football season where we in the media we're not at the stadium for 10 or 11 hours on a saturday what do you do with yourself on a on a bye week saturday well in this bye week saturday i was in pittsburgh um at a shootout at south side or shady side academy uh with the girls basketball team at altoona uh we brought the we took the girls over for a for a basketball shootout uh for the ones that aren't playing a fall sport to see where we're see where we're stacked up against teams from the left side of the state um and then i you know i bartended a little bit and a little bit of everything Corey, i got i can't you know just kind of sit around and do nothing that's not my that's not my dna but i you know i'm gonna veg out on some football and and enjoy not having to analyze a game and and watch football as a fan. Yeah, it is interesting. It, it would surprise listeners, I think, to hear this, that we in the college football media world, if we cover a team anyway, we're not, we're not studio analysts like that you're seeing on ESPN or Fox, we don't get to watch a lot of football. I mean, that that's – just the reality. I've tried to tell people that in the past, and I think people maybe get it, but, you know, we get to the stadium two hours before the game. We're preparing for the game we're watching. We're watching the game we're covering. Then we do interviews. Then we're writing about it for three or four hours. So for a 10-hour window, I don't have time to watch any other games. It, it, It would stun people, college football fans, to know how little we in the press box know about what the hell is going on in the rest of the world. We don't even know what the announcers on TV are saying about the Penn State game. It, it is absolutely 100% true that if you're watching in the Penn State game from your couch, you are generally going to have more information than we are going to have at the stadium. The only, the only benefit you can really ever get at the stadium is if somebody comes out of a game and you see them walk to the tunnel. Okay, Other than that, 
you get if you're at home you get all the analysis and input and slow-mo replay and all this stuff we don't get all that so the point i'm trying to make is when i get a bye week saturday i actually do try to watch as many other games as i can just for comparison sake just for reference sake i watch some sec watch some watch some mountain west i like to stay up late at night and watch some of the mountain west i like air force i like watching those military academies they, they play some fun football but that's what I like to do on a bye week is watch as, as many other games and conferences as I can just simply because we don't have that luxury most Saturdays. Right. You know, and, and that's the, I think the good thing about Penn state is they typically play a three thirty game. So you are able to catch a little bit of the first games and then you get to catch most of pac 12 after dark or, you know, some of those other games, but that's what makes it kind of cool. You know, you, you don't get to see a, and it's tough because as a coach, right, as a coach and as a writer, my brain is always thinking um, in games and it's weird and it's not as fun as people might think. Um, so to sit back and enjoy, you know, watching games, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, and not having to like, oh, why did Nick Saban do this or why did Gus Malzahn do that? It's, oh, great. You know, they did this and that sucks for them. I don't have to write about it. So that, you know, that's, that's the beauty in the bye week and it, and it's great. You know, some people go away, other people, you know, do whatever, spend more time with their family. And I love that. And I plan on doing that too. But, you know, at the same time, it's awesome because there's no analytics. There's, there's no, Hey, why did James Franklin do this? Why did Jake Perniger miss this field goal? Why did Sean Clifford make that pass? You know, why couldn't he catch the ball himself if he threw it up? You know, we don't have to worry about that. And just sit back, watch, and enjoy the game the way it's it's always been intended, and that's as a fan. And and you know, watch it for entertainment purposes rather than, hey, listen, read my story. Yeah, that's an interesting element too. I'll, I'll mention this. I've been in the media for thirty years. Uh, I'm really not a sports fan, and that sucks. And ninety percent of the sports media that has been doing this for decades, I can tell folks you you lose the sports fandom. You just do. Jared, you've been involved. You've been in the sports media, what, five years maybe? 2016 was my first year. Six years. So you're probably still in that element where you can be a sports fan, right? Um, certain aspects. Um, you know, more so hockey because I really don't know. Because you don't, co- you, don't, well, you, don't, you don't cover hockey. No, not very often. Now, I was at Penn State's opening game against Canisius um, on Friday night. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's not my cup of tea. So well, I get to watch that as a fan, especially when I'm watching the Penguins or I'm also an L.A. Kings fan. But when it comes to, like, baseball, I mean, baseball is probably my worst because I'm watching every play as a writer, as a coach. And what are they doing? Why is he doing this? And uh-huh. I'm watching – the pitcher, I'm watching the hitter, I'm watching the third base coach, and I'm watching everything. Football, you know, on Sundays I can still be a fan. I, I watch the Cowboys play, and, you know, lately they haven't been disappointing me, which is nice, but I'm usually always setting myself up for that down the road. But, but yeah, it's tough to 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 turn that, you know, turn that button off. Yes, it is. And, and the, longer, the longer people are in the sports media, the more – kind of jaded and cynical and removed they get because as Jared just said, it is difficult to turn that switch off when your brain works. I've covered 
I don't know, 2,500, 2,000 professional baseball games with, with the Altoona curve. Uh, I've covered a few, three, 400 college football games. When you cover all these games, you're there to watch the game from an analytical standpoint. You're not there to root for a team. So a lot of fans do realize that the media is not there to root, although I do think there are some sports fans out there that think we should be rooting for the team we're covering, which is asinine, but that's just not the case. But again, so this kind of gets me back to my bye week thing of it is nice to try to be able to turn it off, to just watch and just enjoy something that you're not covering because when, when you're in the sports media and you're covering all of these games, your brain just automatically clicks on to why did that quarterback do that? Why did Russell Wilson not see KJ Hamler? I, so I understand why KJ Hamler lost his crap that they didn't throw him the ball, but oh, at the same bad. time, but at the same time, Hey Jared, do you know how many catches KJ Hamler has this year for the Broncos? Not very many. Two. So, when I, when I saw that, this is my analytical way of thinking, okay? I totally get that K.J. Hamler's losing his crap because Russell Wilson didn't see him. But I also kind of wonder, wonder why Russell Wilson would necessarily be looking at K.J. Hamler when the guy's got two catches all year. Th mm -hmm. that's, that's the way the sports media kind of might look at certain things as opposed to the sports fan because that, that stupid analytical but button it is always turned on. I, look, folks, I wish it wasn't. I wish I could go back to when I was 17 and I was just a sports fan and, and wins and losses meant a whole hell of a lot to me. Uh, but quite frankly, they really just don't anymore. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's what's tough about it, right? You know, everybody wants to worry about the wins and the losses. And, yeah, that, that's great. But, you know, it, there's a lot more to it than than just that. And that's the other thing, too. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how kind of how things – um, play out, but yeah, I mean, being able to sit back, relax and, and enjoy the show, right. Is, is something that we don't get to do often, but when we do, man, it is, it is great. All right. As we wrap up, uh, this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot and give me a prediction for Penn state, Michigan. You don't have to necessarily give me a score. Cause we got it. We can wait and see what they do against Indiana, but I'm absolutely picking Min Michigan to win. I'm probably going to pick Michigan to win by double digits, Jared. Uh, so I'm I'm absolutely on the record with that right now. So how do you see it playing out? Well, since you took Michigan, I, I don't like to always agree with you, but I'm going to go with Penn State. Is Good going to Lord, win are you ever going to not digits. pick your team? Seriously. I mean, you don't have to just pick your team because I picked you. You think Penn State's going to go there and win the game? Yes, I do think. And I think it'll be single digits. I think it's going to be between three and seven points. Um, but I like, I think this is the best chance that Sean Clifford has had at winning, at winning a game at the big house. At some point things have got to turn around there. Well, he you did know, win there two years ago, but again, that was a right. COVID, that was a yeah. COVID year. There were no fans. It, it was very different. Um, I just, I would just, I would just ask you before we go, what leads you to think that the Penn state team that struggled against central Michigan and Northwestern is going to just cl find, click the button and go out there and win? I think because they're they typically have played, you know, to the to the meaning of the game, right? So like, like at Auburn, that meant something a little bit more, and they were ready. Um, Central Michigan, eh. Northwestern, miserable. Eh. Um, Purdue, they came out, you know, for for a first game. That's about as ready as you can be. 
Um, so I think they're going to come out ready. I think this is Sean Clifford's best chance to win in front of a crowd at the big house. And I think this is the, the time they finally write those little horrors horrors because, well, it's got, they got to start somewhere. Yeah. I just don't think this team is anywhere near as good as what some, what some people think it's, it's five and oh, they haven't played a ranked team yet, but look, that's why you play the games on the field. We'll see how it goes. Uh, one week, uh, in one week. So I, I'm fascinated. I just bottom line is win or lose, and I don't care about my prediction. I just want to see if, if we can find out how good this Penn State team is. Yeah, I think we're going to find out a lot about both teams. Um, I think this is going to be a, a really early indicator of what's to come uh, for both teams down the road, uh, both for for Michigan and and Penn State because you know Michigan's schedule doesn't get any easier either. Um, they've got you know they still got to play Michigan State. That's going to be a tough game, even though. Mel Tucker's given Michigan State 95 million reasons why they shouldn't have made that contract when they did. Um, and they still got Ohio State. And so it there's just a lot left to to go for the season. But this is going to be a really big indication, a really big starting point um, to see, you know, what's next and and how they're going to handle it because it's going to get wild. And and but next Saturday is going to give us a chance to see what both of these teams and programs are all about this year is Penn state for real is Michigan for real. Are they both for real or are That's they right. both pretenders? And the big, and really one thing to remember, and I'll focus on this on the coverage throughout the week. This is not a be all end all game for Penn state. It's actually not even a must win game for Penn state. Penn state can lose this game and still get to the college football playoff. Uh, obviously they would need to beat Ohio state and then Ohio state would need to beat Michigan as well. But it's it's it, it you can lose this, and as we talk about all the time, the season is still going to come down to the Ohio State game. So as long as Penn State goes out there, keeps everybody healthy, doesn't get destroyed, doesn't if they do lose, if if they do lose, they can't let it beat them twice against Minnesota, which certainly will be a a, a concern. But you beat you beat Ohio State. You're still right there, Jared. So I mean, it's it's not it's not like everything for the whole season hinges on this Michigan game, right? I mean, there's still a lot left to go. Um, so you know, and that's I think in the like one of the cool things too is to see what's coming next. What's going to be, you know, um, important? How how are they going to handle if they face adversity at Michigan? But ultimately, for both Michigan and Ohio, or for Penn State, the ultimate game is Ohio State. You have to win that if you want any chance to win the Big Ten Championship. So right. it'll be interesting to see how it goes. All right, folks, appreciate you tuning in to this week's We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Jared Prugar. I'm Corey Geiger. Thanks for tuning in. Well, a lot of great coverage previewing the game. Which coach would you rather have, Jim Harbaugh? James Franklin. We didn't even get into that, but I'll have a story on that throughout the week as well. Thanks, Jared, and uh, thanks all you folks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.